0: Block TALK RADIO
1: Good morning everyone, this is Beth Barnes Coming live to you from Atlanta, Georgia, this is Speaking of Green, a podcast of Southeast Green, which is the largest online news site for sustainable business and environmental policy in the Southeast. And this morning, we are interviewing a dear friend of mine. Um, We've entitled the show A Ray of Hope, and, and John will appreciate that greatly, given the name of his grandfather. So anyway, let me introduce you really quickly to John, who joined the Ray C. Anderson Foundation as Executive Director in May of 2013. Serving in this role, he has been an, has been an immense honor, and he feels privileged to work with his family to advance the legacy of Ray, his grandfather. Lanier's passion for environmental stewardship was sparked by Ray's example and story, and he never tires of sharing this story with others. Welcome, John.
0: Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me.
1: It's been it's been a bit since you were on. Maybe is it over a year? Maybe. So I think it
0: is. I um, can't remember. I but I'm pretty sure it's more than a year.
1: Yeah, Well, and I'm like, I'm looking at 2013, I'm like, that means I've known you for six years, how did that happen?
0: So,
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry for you, John. <laughs>
0: oh, not at all, it's been a good six years.
1: <laughs> so, um, anyway, I, um, we have you on today because you've had a very exciting project over the last year, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, but we're going to focus a lot of the conversation on the last chapter, but go on and tell us about what you just finished.
0: Uh, It has been um, a a labor of love for sure. Uh, So Ray Anderson, my grandfather, was known in the environmental circles as as one of the most committed industrialists to environmental sustainability. So that intersection of business and the environment was something that uh, he he made a name for himself in. And he wrote two books uh, in his life. He passed away in 2011, but he wrote two books that uh, told his story very well. The first one of those was called Mid-Course Correction, and it came out in 1998, uh, talking about what he and his company, Interface, the world's largest manufacturer of carpet tile, were doing to try to advance sustainability, to try to become the prototypical company of the 21st century. And that book, even though 20 years old, it's still so relevant today. It still presents a compelling vision for the prototypical company of the 21st century. We still need to see such companies come into existence. Uh, So we felt like the book could be republished and updated. So we lightly edited the original seven chapters, um, and then I spent last summer – writing six new chapters that bring the story present and build upon the vision that my grandfather laid out. And after turning in the draft chapters uh, at the end of last summer, we are thrilled that the book finally came out um, May 9th. Uh, grateful to our publisher for walking me through the process of, of writing my first book.
1: So... Um, I want to just say that I was late to the party on mid-course correction. You did an event last week that um, I was in attendance and somebody called it the Sustainability Bible. Which <laughs> I, I couldn't get that, right? You know, like that, yeah. And so um, I read it, and what struck me about reading the 20-year-old version was how relevant and how current and, and, and just like in the minute it seems, which means the fray was like, I mean, he was Martian light years ahead of where the rest of us were. Um Absolutely. and so right and this I mean and and it is considered like one of the top reads on sustainability for business, right? Uh
0: it depends on who you ask, but I'd certainly put it in that category. I, I liked when I uh heard somebody refer to it as as the bible of sustainability. That was kind of of our friend.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and showed a lot of humor, um, and so I'm, I'm sure as as the grandson, there was not trepidation, but wanting to make sure that what you wrote honored what Ray wrote. So, how did tell us about the process about yeah. what how the classic chapters went?
0: It was it was an overwhelming experience in a lot of respects, uh, and I'll I'll talk about a couple of those.
1: Uh,
0: one I, I was intimidated. Uh, uh, my, my grandfather has, had such an elegant way of communicating why business needed to make environmental sustainability not just a, a moral imperative, but to pursue the opportunity side of it as well. Uh, my uncle, one of the trustees of our foundation, calls that part of it the, the moral opportunity that goes along with the moral obligation. It almost felt like I was stepping into my grandfather's shoes, and I I can't fill those, uh, nor nor should I try to, I suppose. He was uh, his own remarkable person, and I need to, to be my own person. So I was struggling with this tension of wanting to tell the story, bringing it up to date the way that my grandfather would, but without losing who I was in that process. And I think I did... A good job of that. I know my grandfather would have wanted me to not copy him but to write it in my own way. Uh, I, in the process I also, I, I suppose this is a second reflection, I grew closer to my grandfather even though he's passed away. I grew closer to him than I, I'd ever been and I was tremendously close to him. He was a, a part of my, my childhood and my upbringing. Uh, An important part in in my life, for sure. Uh, But the time that you spend when writing a book, just thinking, reflecting, allowed for me to begin to see things the way he saw them in in brighter and more detailed ways. I would read his original book over and over again to then build upon it. And that process really did uh, bring me closer to him. I'll also say, I suppose the last reflection on the process, it, is, uh, it was a sprint for us. Uh, I started the book in earnest in May of 2018, uh, right after I actually came back from paternity leave. My wife and I adopted our second child, brought her home from Los Angeles uh, in April. So uh, we had a newborn at home, and my wife gets a lot of credit for uh, enabling me to step away to work on the book. Um, but I was still glad to to have this young child close to my heart while I was writing. But I, I started in May, and I finished at the end of August, researching and writing dozens of books, interviewing dozens of people um, before sitting down and, and writing these six new chapters, leaving a little bit of time at the end to edit it. Uh, I, I think at the end of August, I just took one deep breath after my last keystroke and reflected, wow, I actually was able to do it. Uh, it was I was grateful to everybody, my wife, the, the folks here at the Race Anderson Foundation for uh, enabling me to do so.
1: Well, and... I'm gonna tell people why they need to read the new books because you got to interview a bunch of cool kids. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up her name because you know I'm, not, I'm from Alabama, English is my second language. Um, Janine Binius? No, that you right? nailed it, Janine Binius. Yeah. And Joel MacGow, of course, and Andrew Winston, who I got to interview. who's lovely and so I mean so on point And Alice MacArthur. Tell us. Well, and also another friend that's not listed here. Um, now, John Blank, who's our friend who was your dad uh, grandfather's first director of sustainability. You're thinking of Jim Hartwell. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, because we know Jim's Jim's in there too. So, um, tell us about the interview process, right? I mean, tell us what insights do people have regarding the content.
0: I uh, I was. So- so appreciative of everybody who was interviewed for this book uh, because I I knew I needed their voices to to talk about the role that Ray Anderson played in advancing sustainability but also to give their own perspectives on what's next for the sustainability movement in the context of business uh, I, I could I could Write about those things, but they, these people, from their various perspectives, are the ones doing it. And it was so valuable to take an hour or two hours with each of them to quickly dive deep into the detail of of the topics that we were discussing. So for Janine Benyus, we talked about biomimicry, this discipline where Uh, designers asked the question, how would nature do X, Y, or Z, and how valuable biomimicry was from an innovation standpoint at Interface, my grandfather's company. So I I knew that I wanted to talk with her about how powerful sustainability-driven innovation was in the context of business for, for Interface. Uh, And then I spoke to Ellen MacArthur and Andrew Morley, leading the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, about the circular economy, understanding what it is in great detail and their vision for how we will see it realized. Uh, Speaking to Paul Hawken about global warming and how drawdown is the new framework for thinking about climate action, it, it allowed me to understand for myself, and then hopefully synthesize all of their views for the readers uh, so that they feel that the the content of the book was so rich and so deep because of the voices of these these tremendous leaders in the environmental space.
1: I decided I want to write a book now so I get to interview all the cool kids too. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of the perks for sure. In my spare time. So I'm um, going to switch gears now, and I'm going to tell you um, one of the things that I loved so much about mid-course correction, and I you have brought this for sure into the last um, chapter, is I was really surprised how open um, Ray was about his faith. Um, mm. And he's, he's United Methodist, of course, finally United Methodist. And I was just like, man, not only is this brilliant on sustainability but here is this industrial leader being the model for not being ashamed about talking about his faith. So many people in business don't want to talk about their faith. And um, the way he really used that as a moral imperative, and I know there's a moral imperative for this entire family, and I'm sure that's through his leadership, you know, personally through his faith. And so many times with sustainability, I mean, people just get warbunked, right? I mean, if if, if you focus on – all the negative things happening, it gets really hard to give people hope. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that the foundation is doing excellently. And I think you know Ray did also. So let's talk about hope.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. It's something that was core to Ray's philosophy about um, about the change that he was trying to create, shifting the entire industrial world towards a, a better business model, uh, and it's something that our family certainly shares as well, rooted in faith as, as you identified. The, the simple concept is that if you cannot provide a compelling vision for the future that is better than the present, how do you expect that change will occur? Uh, my, my grandfather was fond of saying quite a few things, but one of my, my favorite quotes of his is that status quo is a powerful opiate, and that's so very true in the world of business. Uh, we we see that when people go to business school, they they look at case studies. They largely learn how business has operated, has functioned, and then when they move into the business world, they draw upon those learnings, and they continue to do their work the way that it's always been done. Every now and again, somebody might have a, a breakthrough, bring something new to the world of, of business and industry. Um, but for the most part, it's stuck in its ways. And Ray knew that that, if, if business continued to operate in the extractive linear economy that it had for so long, that we were all in trouble. So this vision of, of something different truly required uh, hope and optimism for uh, better than. If you just tell people we're all going to die, then they're likely to curl up in a ball and disengage. But if you say we can solve the challenges that we have by doing this and this and this, and when we do, here's the tremendous payoffs not just averting catastrophe, but truly Leaving a a better, more uh, healthy and just world for the next generation. Uh, There's there's nothing more hopeful than that.
1: Well, and you know, one of the big criticisms in the environmental community, and I, um, you and I both attended a training recently, uh, climate reality, and I did a presentation with a gal after the event, which is what we've been trained to do. Like I needed help learning how to talk. Ah, so funny. So, um, but we did the presentation and we used the slide deck, and I'm halfway through the slide deck, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this slide deck was so exciting when we heard it presented live, Um, but when I'm presenting it, it's actually very negative, and um, it it really affected that agency. They're so focused on the negative, there wasn't a big enough message of hope at the end, and so... You know, I, I, what, what would you tell someone who's making presentations? Because we all have our own circle of influence, right? Sure. And we're not all going to be ready. We're not all going to be John. Um But when, what, what is your message, your takeaway for you or how to lift people up to hope once they hear the, the data?
0: Well, yeah, and it is worth absolutely saying we need to understand the, the, the downside, of if we, if we get things wrong in the environmental movement, if we don't create the change that we need to. Uh, that, is, and let's, let's zero in on the, the, the issue of global warming, um, since you're speaking specifically to a presentation on that. The science is so very clear, and when you connect even just a few dots into the future of what the science means, it's scary. There's there's no other way that you can put it other than to say that it is scary and to pretend that it's not would be irresponsible. Uh, but you cannot then stop there. You can't point at a scary thing and say, now change. People won't know how to do so. And and on the issue of, of global warming, the change that we often hear is so difficult for people to connect with. Uh, if we need to change and I can't put solar panels on my roof, what can I do? We need to hear more than that. Solar is a tremendous technology, but it won't solve the problem on its own. And even if it could, it wouldn't involve uh, as many people as we need to engage in this movement. So you have to give other opportunities for engagement on the issue. Uh, So, and this is true of all environmental issues. Be clear and factual about the data, the problem, the challenge, and then give more, give the positive vision for the future. So in the climate space, I can say there are a tremendous number of things that we can all be doing from reducing food waste and having a plant-rich diet in the, in the agricultural space, both of which are tremendously beneficial carbon things that have other co-benefits like making sure people aren't hungry, and having healthier diets. We can advocate for gender equity, and there are very clear benefits that come from a carbon standpoint for doing that. But again, that's a secondary reason why we should be advocating for gender equity. Uh, For those who are in a business, they can look for ways to increase energy efficiency at their business or... Uh, reduce the waste streams that their business generates, both of which have carbon benefits. If you lay out a compelling vision, as Project Drawdown has done, for all of the things we can all do, then people want to engage. Uh, So I think that's the key. Give them more than just the concerning facts.
1: And I would agree, although I'm I might next time put the dessert before the, the dinner, right? We'll start with the hope. Then we'll do the – Maybe, you I know, I,
0: before and after, because you certainly don't want to leave people with a sense of doom and gloom. Uh, but I so, – so a little bit of, uh, of the hope before and after probably is the right way to go.
1: Yeah, well, and, um, you know, I've made uh, over 50 presentations now in churches, and I always start with Bible. You know, here's the call. And um, so that, you know, you're putting people in a very comfortable position when you start with something like that. But for non-religious um, or non-faith-based presentations, maybe we, you get to tell them, hey, it's a sandwich. It's a cookie sandwich. You get the yeah. beginning and at the end. With so, a little bit of just
0: understanding boundaries. science in between.
1: Right. So... Um, Anyway, yeah, I I think we've come a, come across something. So let's talk about some of the hope that has happened and that you explained in the last chapter um, that y'all been doing at the uh, foundation.
0: Yeah, the, the the book is a a a sweeping survey of what it takes for one business to become truly and authentically sustainable, and how we need the entire macroeconomic system to move towards sustainability so that we can proactively solve challenges like resource scarcity and global warming. I mean, that's, that's chapters one through 12 of the book, and it's, it's daunting to an extent in the scope. Um, our foundation can't do what I'm advocating in the book on, on its own. We can only do our part, and that's really what Chapter 13 is about. We call it uh, more Ray Andersons. If, if there's one thing that I can say the Ray C. Anderson Foundation is trying to do, we're trying to create more Ray Andersons, more people who have a fundamental commitment to preserving our natural systems and enhancing them for tomorrow's child, for the generations of people yet to come, and who believe in finding a better way, that, that the answer to the questions we have will be more elegant in every respect. That's what we mean by more Ray Andersons. And when our foundation, we, we are funders, we are grant makers in the environmental space, when we have our various initiatives, we're so proud of the partners, The the leadership at Georgia Tech of the Ray C. Anderson Center for Sustainable Business, they are more Ray Andersons, and they're educating the Ray Andersons of tomorrow. Um, Our partnership with the Biomimicry Institute, their leadership, they are Ray Andersons, and they're trying to equip a new generation of entrepreneurs to think the way that Ray Anderson did. And then the Ray, this highway project and any of our listeners, I, I hope they might uh, go and visit theray.org uh, to, to learn about it. It was something that my aunt, one of our trustees and Ray's youngest daughter, that she became convicted by that just as Ray Anderson transformed industrial manufacturing, we can transform the transportation space and highways and make them sustainable, if not regenerative. That is her compelling vision for the future and what she can do. I am so proud to see my aunt become a Ray Anderson of her own. Uh, We're proud of the work that we've done. We're also very mindful that our role is to empower other people. And what comes right along with that is gratitude to those people who we support, those projects that we support, for all that they then go and do.
1: And I, I love the rain, right? And, of course, I'm on it probably more than most people since, you know, okay. my family all lives in the panhandle in L.A., lower Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so every time I drive by, right, I I look at that solar uh, road that y'all installed and the solar tree, and I've had check, I have checked my tires at the flip stop. And it's sort of just this amazing way to influence people where, you know, they just thought they were stopping at the welcome station, right? Mm -hmm. And there's so many things beyond that, but those two two things are very, well, three things are very tangible. Um, So it is really exciting. And, I mean, it's become sort of a thing, though, right? I mean, aren't you all having people from all over the country come and look at it?
0: Yeah, all over the world. There are people who travel internationally to come and learn from, uh, my aunt and Allie Kelly, executive director of the Ray and and their team uh, about what they're doing, because they presented this, this, this compelling idea that if we redesign our, our infrastructure, something as mundane as a highway, if we holistically redesign it, there's so much potential there. Uh, people are, are captivated by that. And we have roads all across the world. So Everyone from um, all these different countries that that want to come and see it, they come because they want to bring something home with them to create uh, change in their own communities. That's exactly – we couldn't ask for anything more.
1: Right, right. Well, I'm looking forward to more development along the way, as I know there is a big list of projects on it. We are actually at the end of our time. I appreciate your valuable time so much. Um, I just want to give you an opportunity to get sort of like um, a plug for you in the book.
0: Yeah, thank you, I, and I'm so grateful for the chance to to visit with you this morning. Um, so I'd be honored for anyone listening to to go and get a copy of Mid-Course Correction Revisited. You can visit the Ray C. Anderson Foundation's website uh, and find information, but it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the usual suspects. Um, it, I hope that it's something, if you do get a copy and give it a read, that you find a bit of inspiration for your own life uh, and, and a bit of hope and optimism that, that we can actually solve the challenges that we have.
1: Great. So I will tell folks that in the show notes, we've got a link to the book um, on Amazon. I'm also going to include, include Drawdown, which I think is what we talked about the last time. So that has been a bit of time. And um, I would encourage people to check out that episode and the book. It is it is so ubiquitous in Atlanta now. I cannot go anywhere without somebody using Drawdown as an example of, well, that's number so-and-so. <laughs> that's, uh-huh. that's tremendous. <laughs> so, um, well, thank you so much for your time, John, and we really appreciate it. Best of luck as you go out and promote the book, and um, we'll look forward to checking in with you in a bit, you know, down the road.
0: Sounds good. Thank you, Beth.
1: Uh huh. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, if you can't tell, John is truly one of my favorite people uh, in the in the sustainability community, and um, we had quite a showing of the community uh, last Thursday night uh, when he did his sort of Atlanta launch of the book. And that's one of the things I love about Southeast Green is we are so honored and pleased to be. Um, accepted and welcomed into the community, the sustainability community in Atlanta. And it is really unique. I've, now I've had it confirmed by several people, um, even though we're like 11. I'm 11 years into Southeast Green, and I would say the, the movement probably, you know, 12 um, in regards to when all the sustainability organizations started intermingling, and we've created this amazing group of folks. So thank you so much. We've got a, another podcast coming up. Um, in June. And just so you know, we've got a couple of events that I attended. I've got to get them ready to be uploaded, but I think you'll find them interesting. One was the uh, CCL um, Southeast panel discussion we had. Climate. Uh, now I can't remember. And then the other one was we did an event on trees. So if you are having a tree issue and you um, community, this will be a, uh, a good um, organizing kind of listen for you to figure out what you can do to save the trees in your community. Okay, we're signing out with DJ Lang and his drops of H2O. Did you know that one of the ways we like to support the sustainability community is by providing an opportunity for businesses of all sizes to be in our green business directory listing? You should get on it because we are getting thousands of visitors every year on all sizes of businesses. And it's very exciting for the folks who are listed on the Green Business Directory. This is what you do to get on. You go to southeastgreen.com. On the second tab, there is the Green Business Directory listing. Click on that. There will be a drop-down menu and you can join the Green Business Directory listing today. Not only will you be on the listing, but you will be sent out to over 10,000 accounts on our social media connections and you'll also be listed in our next newsletter so what are you waiting for join today